to Mindful Conversations, ladies and gentlemen. It's a pleasure to have you tune in to the world's greatest podcast. We appreciate it. Yeah. Matt and Rob here with a very, very special guest. First time on the show, in fact. Who is our guest, Matt? Her name is Jennifer. She came from Ontario. She got bussed <laughs> in by a motor coach paid for by our budget. It's true. Yeah, it was a lovely trip. Wasn't it beautiful? It was gorgeous. Sun is out, blue skies. How long did it take you to get in? Oh, gosh. I mean, there there were a lot of detours. <laughs> Lots um, of detours. Yeah, yeah, so probably about 10 hours. About 10 hours, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the drive-in was... Just for this. Well, of course, I mean, to be on this show is fairly prestigious. Yeah, it's such an honor. <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah. and uh, Really? Ontario? <laughs> Ontario, Michigan. It's just like it's just south of cold water. Right. Oh, yeah, 10 hours then. Yes. Jen Jennifer's <laughs> Plus great. or minus. Right. Road construction. Right. Michigan. Plus or minus. No, we are super happy and excited to have Jennifer on the um, on the podcast today yes. because she is one of our esteemed colleagues. Yes. In the on the team here at Response Care. Yeah, and we like to feature our team. Yeah. Um, they all are incredibly talented. They are. And, it's true. And they have lots of very gifted thoughts and opinions and she's already been pushing back mm -hmm. and um yep i like that we do too and um but she has a sense of humor that i appreciate yeah so i hear <laughs> yep so just tell us like where did you grow up and you know what was childhood like and you know well you know in ontario really boring really boring lots of cold weather yeah. rainy yeah all those yeah, canadians yeah wait i thought we were talking about michigan oh yeah sorry i mean practically canadian i grew up in the upper peninsula Ooh, how far up north um so cross the bridge and go two and a half hours west Okay. Oh, wow. Closer to Wisconsin than the bridge. Okay. Yep. All right. If you cross the bridge and you start to head west, the first stoplight you come to two and a half hours later, that's my hometown. Sweet. What's the name? Gladstone. Oh, yeah. I know Gladstone. By Escanaba. Yes. Escanaba. Escanaba. I'm going fishing. In the moonlight. I'm, I'm going hey, fishing in Escanaba. There, yes. In the moonlight. That's the one I always hear. I so well done being original. <laughs> Thank you. I love her. <laughs> I know it. Um, I hear the mosquitoes in the summer are big up there. Yeah, they're they're the Upper Peninsula Air Force. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yep. Um, what's the big state park all the way to the west? Porcupine. Porcupine. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's great hiking. Okay. We've hiked that. But in Michigan, I mean, if you stay in the state of Michigan, if you go all the way from Lower Peninsula, you know, all the way up over the bridge, all mm -hmm. the way to the, to the west, it's like 10, 12 hours. Oh, Easily. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I mean. that In summer, that's not winter. Yeah. yeah. In the winter, you might not make it. Correct. It's crazy. Oh, I know. It's cool. We have a cool state. We well, do. We do. We do. We are talking today. We've asked Jennifer to partner. Actually, last episode we asked cliff 34 seconds before the podcast <laughs> yes, we, we gave jennifer 24 hours that we Maybe. are improving yes yes but thank she, you for the heads up she willfully said yes ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah. even without pay <laughs> i don't even get paid hey yeah there is chocolate there's chocolate oh yeah there is okay. chocolate uh, we invited jennifer because um one of her sweet spots in therapy and in life are teens mm-hmm and Dr. Rob kind of is also a, a teen guy. 
um, family, marriage and family. And you're just a family systems guy. I am. And I'm just a guy that's been in a family. <laughs> so I've been a teen. So I, I'm an expert on the topic. <laughs> I have raised two girls that went through teenage years. Yes. Oh, God bless you. Yeah, and yeah. it seems like you do a little bit of marriage as well. I do. I do. I do marriage. And um, Odin just on Sunday, Odin just turned three. Oh, happy yep. birthday. Happy birthday, Odin. Yay, to Odin. the diva. So, so Deanne and I um, got both. We couldn't leave out. We have Ardman, my yep. daughter's chocolate lab, in for the summer, summer camp at Grandma and Grandpa's. But um, we got the dogs um, ice cream cones. Oh, nice. Yes. And we they put, loved it. And we put a birthday candle in those. <laughs> <laughs> What is wrong with us? We've become those parents. I know. <laughs> like our kids have moved out. Yes. And, and now we're living through our fur, fur babies, babies, right? Well, if <laughs> there's no hope. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so if he's three, add seven years, he's already blown through teenagehood. That's exactly yes. right. He's already 21. I know. I like the, his teen years just like blew by. Yeah. Okay, but if we define adolescence like some developmentalists do up until the age of 22. I've heard as old as 25. I've heard that recently. More recently. Yeah, extended adolescence. Yeah. Yeah. I think of it as 22, but extended time needed to launch yes well the brain doesn't fully develop until you're 26 yeah in that 25 26 area which by that point you've probably already graduated college for some yeah for some you would think right right so when my kids turned about 10 i started sitting them down and having a conversation (laughs) Like, there's no long subsidy plan for you staying at home. (laughs) (laughs) It worked. It did work. Kaylin, shout out to Kaylin. She's working on her own, paying all of her bills, including her cell phone, car insurance, all that jazz. Emma's doing great as well, you know. But, yeah, at an early age, I started saying, hey, just to let you know, like, living at mom and dad's long term, there's there's no plan. (laughs) Odin, yes, you know. <laughs> okay, so we're talking about we're talking about the category of life between what ages? How do you want to define it, Jennifer? Teenage. Teenage. Um, I'd probably start honestly at like ten or eleven. I would too, and I and I personally would move it up to twenty-two. Okay, but I'm open. And I mean, there's. There's smaller categories within that age group. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know? from 18 to 22, they probably think of themselves as young adults. Yes. And 10, 11, 12 are probably more tweens. Right. But yeah, I'd, I'd go from that like 10 to 22. Yeah, we can do that. I like that. So what is happening during this period of time in human development? So much. So much. Tons. So of much. So much. My, so much. My biggest crisis during my teenage years was what jeans I was going to wear. <laughs> Do you remember the brand, if you are a listener and you're in our age category, um, Jordash? Does that name ring a bell? 
to anybody it, listening. These it guys does, and I'm not in your age category. <laughs> no, yeah. Jordash, back in the day, really super tight jeans, super uncomfortable. Only wore them for, like, popularity's sake. What an uh, idiot. I didn't wear them. <laughs> <laughs> That's How was popularity you popular. for you? <laughs> no, I wasn't popular, but I didn't wear those. <laughs> no. I, I wore them because I was stupid. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like I battled my parents over stupid things. Um, so the teenage years, um, you kind of referenced the tweens, the, mm-hmm. the, the early stage teenager, mm-hmm. 11, 12, you know, years old, yeah. starting this process. But yeah, and then the extended, you know, mm-hmm. um, 20, 22, 21, 22. Yep. But yeah, so much is happening in this like 10 to 12, 15 year range that is so important regarding development, you know, psychological development, yep. emotional development, social, um, the impact, Physical. It, the impact it has on family systems. So the family unit, mm-hmm. um, all the turbulence that happens there. Wow. So much mm-hmm. is going on that we're not going to fully unpack in an episode with 30, 45 minutes, right? Right. Yeah, that's not possible. Yeah. No. But what comes to mind when we talk about teens that is top of mind for you? For me, that early phase, the first thing that comes to mind is abstract reasoning. They're starting to think abstract and they're able to connect dots. And so um, that abstract reasoning, you know, typically is that 8, 9, or 10. But by 10, 11, and 12, they're, they're not fully abstract, but they can, they can access abstract reasoning. And they notice so much. That's, yes. Like they, they see things that parents probably don't realize they see. I, yes. 10, 11, 12, I knew what kind of parent or marriage my parents had. Yep. Okay. Jennifer's blowing the whistle. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody now, your kids know what you're doing. Yes. They do. They are reading your mail. And they have really, today's kids have really good BS meters. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I know that as a counselor, like I can't yeah. sit in a counseling session with a teenager and put on a mask and oh, pretend no. to be something. No. They'll call me out on it. Oh, they, they will. They're smart. Absolutely. So abstract reasoning, can you describe what that is maybe in more layman's terms about what's happening as they come into that phase of the cognitive ability? Yeah, you know, if you take a glass of water, and it's a tall glass or a small glass, but it's the same amount of water, um, they'll be able to look at that and understand that it's the shape of the glass that makes it look like it's more or less, but it's the same amount of water. Mm -hmm. So that, that kind of is an example of abstract reasoning. To Jennifer's point, I think the other aspect of this reasoning is they're able to see through the facade they don't believe it like it's marketed in families anymore and the reason they're able to do that is because of abstract reasoning right they're they're able to look at something and distinguish or separate out what is from what is not Mm -hmm. which makes it a problem for the parents who still think that they can 
somehow fool their children. Yeah. So you're saying the kids haven't really drunk the Kool-Aid yet. They're to stop. In abstract reasoning, the abstract reasoning will cause them to stop drinking the Kool-Aid. Or just not pick up the cup to begin with. Exactly. Exactly. It's like they haven't been tainted so much, yet the parent model or culture in general is intending to cultivate their image in the child if they're willing. What do you mean? Okay. So the child is innocent and is objective in their abstract thinking. They're starting to call an ace an ace. Yes. Whereas the adults have drunk the Kool-Aid for decades. Yes. And they're wanting to replicate in the child who they've become. Yeah, they want they want the child to believe the adult narrative. Correct. Yeah. And children, teens are pushing back on that. Absolutely. As they should. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like as as a little girl, it was, oh, my parents are amazing. Yeah. Like my my dad is so cool. Like my dad's my hero. And then as I get older and that abstract reasoning comes yep. in, it's, oh, wait a second. They have faults too. Yes. And Ooh, begin so to see parents in a different light and well, opens your eyes. Wouldn't you say a more realistic light? Absolutely. Yeah. And also pay attention to, okay, so this is how mom and dad are in the home, and yet this is how they are outside the home when we're grocery shopping. This is how they treat strangers, and the two don't align. Yeah, so part of that abstract reasoning is the incongruency mm-hmm. that okay, Jennifer they, just... They pick up the incongruency. Oh, yeah. Oh, You're not yes. practicing what you preach? They know it. Yep. Oh, for sure. And the more assertive ones will... We'll bring that to light. Mm-hmm. They'll call you out on it. Yep. Oh, yeah. I was the last of five kids. I had no problem telling my parents what I thought. Oh, yeah. It usually backfired, but I didn't stop. <laughs> I think I think the healthy parents will listen and embrace that, but healthy parents are not that incongruent either. Well, you bring up a good point, and I wasn't going to go there right away, but the advantage that could be afforded to the family system by including the development of the teenager as an asset in the family. Oh, totally. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Versus because if it's true that they're starting to understand how to distinguish incongruency from congruency and calling it out, you're the parent, the adult in the room is going to have to be responsible or they're going to have to deflect. Yes. And turn it back on the child and make them feel, this goes out to Ashley True, gaslighting. (laughs) Gaslighting. (laughs) Making the teen believe that what they think is right is actually wrong. Mm -hmm. And so now their belief system is starting to be challenged. And where do they find acceptance when they know that that's not right? They go into their friend group. Right. Social media, friends. And there they find, no, I am right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And well, so, it's validated. And so they have one way of, of acting or behaving in the family system because they have to cover themselves. Mm-hmm. And then they go into their culture groups and they can be themselves and articulate what is true and get support there. Yeah. So, and there's no longer safety for that emotional connection at home. Right. I can't be who I really am around my parents because then A, B, and C happens or they react this way. I can't be myself. There isn't a partnership in the exploration and development of their identity. 
That's good. And so they go into the social group, but the challenge and the the challenge there is their brains aren't fully developed either. <laughs> and so when adults step away from teens, intentionally or unintentionally, seldom are good things going to happen because the ideal would be a partnership between the adult and the teenager, a collaboration. Which that is all about the relationship that you've built. Yes. And don't think that because your teenager is 15, oh, well, now I have to have a good relationship. And all of a sudden you change your personality to instill a good relationship. That 15-year-old is going to look at you and go, who are you and what have you done with my parent? Jennifer brings up a great point. You don't start... You don't start parenting teenagers when they become teenagers. You start parenting teens when they're children. You've got to keep an eye on that relationship. Mm -hmm. Because if you just launch at them from a positional authority, I'm your dad or I'm your mom, that's not going to, that's not going to work today if it ever did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The same rules that you have in the house and the same consequences you have for a seven, eight, nine year old, that's not going to fly with your 17 year old. The 17 year old is going, I'm going to be 18 soon and you have no say. So your rules don't apply. It's interesting. We do see a lot of this. We see a lot of um, teens who grow into that 15, 16 year age and then 17 things are not really copacetic Mm -hmm. at home. And then you start to get the idea that you're going to be 18 within 18 months, 12 months, six mm-hmm. months. You're already flowing in this adult emancipation. And, um, you know, we are supposed to raise our children to be independent of us. Yes. Yeah. Like, it, it, like differentiated. Yes. And separate from us in order for them to create their own identity aside from us, but to ultimately full circle, create an interdependent relationship with us. Or mm-hmm. intradependent. Intra, better said. Yeah. Add the A. <laughs> the, the collaboration, the collaborative relationship between parent and teen is critical. If the parent is overprotective or what we sometimes see around here is they do everything for the teen. The teen will not be ready to move from teenage into adulthood. You'll oh. stunt their growth. Mm-hmm. If they're too independent, the teen doesn't have the emotional maturity or brain development to always make good decisions, and that will be a problem. And there is a difference between adult cognitive development and teen cognitive development. There are markers. I sometimes would argue that I meet many adults chronologically as an adult, but they're not emotionally or relationally mature. They have the same markers as a 15, 16, 17, 18, mm-hmm. 20, 22 year old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, f- I feel like it's a very fine line of how do you have a relationship with your teenager, but not a friendship. Yes. Like your teenager is not your best friend. Right. And you are not your teenager's best friend. If you're so healthy. <laughs> if, if you're healthy. Yeah. So how it's a very fine line. But then even further, 
it's going to be different from kid to kid. Yeah. So what would what would what do you see as some of the markers? How do you how do you thread that needle? Gosh, um, there's at times there's some hard conversations with parents. Okay. Um, which is which is difficult from from my perspective because I'm not a parent. And so a lot of times parents go, well, what do you know? And That's I'm thinking, <laughs> right? Like I, I have been working with teenagers longer than you have been a parent of a teenager. Yes. Like I've, I've been working with teenagers for, I think I'm coming up on 17 years. So um, that's longer than you've been a parent of a teenager. So yeah, I, I know some things. Yeah. And so there, there are some very hard conversations to have with parents because it's, it's never too late. Like if you, if you're listening and you have a 17 year old and you're going, wow, I've really messed up. I don't have a relationship. It's not too late. Right. Don't, don't give up. Um, but yeah, some of the things that I see are, um, I mean, there's, there's kids that come into counseling and go, my parents made me be here. Mm-hmm. Or my mom is always hounding me. Or they're always asking questions. Like it's with the eye roll of they just always want to know where I am. Like that's a kid that's looking for some independence and some guidance on how to have independence in a healthy way. Yeah, that's cool. So what you're really, this is what I'm hearing. Maybe it's not what you're saying, but part of threading that needle is developing the relationship between a parent and a child in such a way that they trust one another Mm -hmm. and that they can then um, cooperate with each other on whatever that particular challenge is, whether it be a boyfriend or girlfriend or tension between the mom and dad. But that difficult conversation between parent and teen is part of that um, moving them from teen into adulthood. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as, as parents, from my experience of working with parents, you, you want to protect your kid. And so let's take the topic of a relationship. You don't want to see your kid heartbroken, but at the same time, maybe at 13 isn't the best time to start dating. (laughs) (laughs) Like Uh you've still got 13 more years of your brain developing. Maybe now isn't the best time. Um, But where do you start to say, okay, this is what a healthy relationship looks like. Okay. Or this is what dating is or should be. This is what it would look like. Um, And so, yeah, parents have a tough job. You guys really do. (laughs) I don't think it's easy being a teenager either. No, no, there's not enough money in the world for me to go back to my teenage I years. Go back. Ever. I, I always say that teenage or adolescence happens to the person. Right? When when you go through this phase of development, it happens to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you have no choice. You go into it without permission. Mm-hmm. You're being dragged into mm-hmm. it and you'll go through it. So the parents are experiencing it. The teenager is experiencing it. And it's it's not uncommon to have underprepared families to to tackle this big, you know, phase in their child's life. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So both individuals matter. Absolutely. And it's tough. It and is. they need each other. 
They do. Well, you were designed for each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't, yeah. doesn't make it easy. In fact, it's the hardest things in life that produce the greatest results when you attend to the, the work that's ahead of you. The only title I care about is the title dad. And that cultivating that relationship with my kids throughout lifespan required uh, humility. I needed to ask others for help as a parent. I personally think it's a mistake when parents discredit individuals who don't have children because those individuals are smart and they will see things that you do not. Mm -hmm. And to Jennifer's point, she's got experience and expertise with teens. Why would I forfeit that knowledge? That makes no sense to me. Um, Sandy and I always tried to cultivate a relationship with our kids where it was safe. And we would invite them into our parenting. So it was the proverbial, how do you experience me as a dad? And I could not edit that report when I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And there were times <laughs> where the kids would tell me what it was like to be parented by me. And mm-hmm. I had to modify. I can't just blow them off. No. Yep. And I bet there were times that you had to apologize. Oh, no, not me. I never had to apologize. All right. Well, let's phone a friend because I'm pretty sure I just caught you in a lie. A monster lie. I had to apologize all the time. Maya and Nicole, you can call into the show at at any moment. Um, So the the reality is this is, for many families, underprepared. And remember, family of origin is reading into this as well. So the way I was raised in my home is influencing the way that I'm involved in, yeah. in in my now home with my kids growing up. So this is this is difficult work. Yeah. When we talk about the the role of a parent, a mom and dad, or a single parent, like a single mom or a single dad, or even parenting from a grandparent's perspective, or mm-hmm. foster mm-hmm. parent, mm-hmm. or adopted parent. There's all kinds of different mm-hmm. parenting. Aunt, that, uncle. Aunt, uncle, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, whoever the supporting cast member is. But... We talk, I, I'm hearing you both say that that relationship is key. And I even heard Jennifer state that even if your kids are older, it's not too late to influence the relationship. So what are the facets of relationship that are important, the simple facets of relationship building? And, and what would you suggest parents think about? I think we already mentioned one, and that's congruency. Mm-hmm. You better... What your child, what your teen sees at home, should be consistent with who you are in the public eye. Yes, that's that that that's a, a mechanism: safety and trust. And so, that congruency would be one of the first things I would I personally would go to. Mm-hmm. So you want to model congruency. You want to model character that's consistent. Yep. That will speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Character development, wholeness, yeah. and congruency. Okay. Yeah. I, I think for me, looking back on how my parents were, um, you know, the biggest thing for me was my mom accepted me as I was. 
I love that. Like it, it wasn't a, like my mom loved how independent and outspoken I was. I, if I have an opinion, I'm going to share it. Really? And my, yeah, I don't know if you knew that about me or not. Really? I know it's a shock. No, anyone listening who knows no. me is like on the floor shocked right now. Yeah. Um, but my mom was never like that. Like she didn't share her opinion and here she was raising a daughter who was the complete opposite. And she would always say, I, I am so jealous of you that you can do that and you're confident in your opinion. And man, I wish I were more like you. Like here I was at 14, 15 and my mom is noticing something in me and going, I wish I had more of that. Like there was just, she let me be me in all of my own mental health journey and depression and goth and all black and black makeup and red hair and purple hair and blue hair. And like it, okay, you get good grades. You don't do drugs. You don't drink. Go ahead, color your hair. Like she just accepted and loved me for me. But along with that congruency is that that's how she was as a woman. Right. Like, all of my friends, I have friends from high school who to this day don't know my mom's real name because mm-hmm. she's mom. Right. I had a friend in high school answer our telephone one time and went, um, Jen, who's Kari? And I was like, um, that's mom. Oh, well, I didn't know that. Like, <laughs> you know, and so like every single person that walked into not just the home, but into my mom's life mm-hmm. was accepted as you are. It didn't matter your color of skin, your faith, your lack of faith, your sexuality, your gender. It Nothing else mattered. You were a human being. And to my mom, that meant you were created by God. And if you were created by God, you were a child of God. And therefore, she loved you. Period. So how she accepted and loved me, I saw that, how she treated every human being she came in contact with. Mm. That was huge. That is huge because whether to... to um, Jennifer's point, it's like if your child is artsy, crafty, mechanical, academic, the value of that teen needs to be accepted mm-hmm. and their uniqueness needs to be, I would like her mom, embraced, uh, celebrated, and appreciated. Yep. I, I have a coworker who has four kids at home and she was actually just telling me yesterday that one um, is super athletic, wants to be involved in everything. And the other is like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. And she's like, okay, that's fine. If you don't want to play sports, I'm not going to make you. Yep. And the other one, okay, how many sports can we get you into? Let's find out what you like. And she's just allowing her nine and 11 year old to discover it. Yeah. yeah. And supporting it. I love that. Yeah. So congruency is a key. Mm-hmm. Um, what's another facet that um, a teen or a parent of a teen needs to consider as part of developing this relationship? I would say humility Ooh. for both the teen and the parent. I like how yeah. you included both of them. Yes, yes. They have to be willing. They have to be humble enough to be teachable. Both mm-hmm. parties mm-hmm. have to be teachable. They're better together than they are apart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yieldedness. I like that word too. Yield, <laughs> yielding to one another. 
uh, Brooks Gibbs in the Resilient Conference presentation, mm-hmm. don't be rigid. Yep. Yes. Right. Be flexible. Be flexible. And, um, you know, you won't establish some kind of a, a rule. Um, another facet that I'm thinking of is communication. So the mm-hmm. ability to share, your you, each parent or caregiver and teen, both positions are valuable. We already established that all human beings should be regarded mm-hmm. and they should be esteemed. Yep. And therefore, a relationship can be cultivated. Yep. And in, in that, you're going to have differences of the way you see things. Mm-hmm. So what I believe, what my value systems are, et cetera, et cetera, I'm going to be differentiated from you. So I need to appreciate what you believe or what you think or what you feel or mm-hmm. how you see something. Mm-hmm. Can we create dialogue that allows both of us to be understood? Yeah. I'm not asking you to be in agreement with me. I'm yep. just, can you understand where I'm coming from? Yep. I think parents should do less lecturing and more questioning, not interrogation, but questioning. And listening. That's where I was going. Mm -hmm. There's two sides of communication. If you simplify it, there's the sending, I'm talking, and then the receiving, I'm listening. I I think the parents have a, and I'm going to say it this way, I think they have a sacred responsibility to hear their kids. Yeah. Let's pause there for a second. Hearing your kids is more than sitting with them and being in a conversation. Mm-hmm. It's reading them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and as and you guys know this as you train as you train clinicians, counselors, they they train you to listen for the deeper meaning, mm-hmm. and that's how they phrase it: the deeper meaning. That that when you can listen for the deeper meaning, you're actively listening. I always say in counseling when I'm working with couples or anybody that's dialoguing is it's the Gottman method of a dream within conflict. So when you're in conflict, and again, we always say conflict is good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Arguing and fighting is foolishness. Yeah. But, but, but dialoguing and conflict about the different ways you see things is healthy and good and it mm-hmm. creates intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, you get to know the other person, right? But in the midst of that, look for the dream within your partner's point of view. Look for the value system. Look for the longing. Look for the hope. Don't, don't hear only what's on the surface. Like you said, Dr. Rob, go, be, go beneath the surface. What is behind it? They may not even know what it is. Mm-hmm. You could reflect something like, you know, as you're sharing, it just sounds like you really care for your friends deeply. Yeah, mom, that's exactly it. I love my friends. Yeah. Okay, okay. So that's why you you stole my car and went out and yeah. late at night because you wanted to be with your friends. Okay. I don't like the fact that you stole my car. <laughs> right. Let's let's talk about right and wrong, but now I understand. But, and what that is, it's validation. Mm-hmm. When when the person that you're dialoguing with hears you understand them and they validate, I understand why you did this. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that for my value system that that's acceptable, but that's not important at this stage. What's important is I understand you. Mm-hmm. I yeah. feel like that builds a bridge. Absolutely. That, that can build trust. Absolutely. Safety, safety is the, the goal in yeah. a relationship and trust has to be built. Yeah. And there in, in my childhood and especially teenage years, there was a lot of, 
um, push and pull within my own emotions because my mom built that bridge and I was, I mean, I don't know if you guys know this either, but I am a highly emotional person. My feelings are (laughs) massive. Mom allowed that. Whereas dad would look at me and go, you don't really feel that way. And he'd walk away and go out in the garage. Oh, that's called dismissal. Right. Disregard. Right. And so I had one parent who accepted and loved me just as I am. And the other who completely dismissed me and then would go out in the garage. And they were the same way when friends would come over. Mom would hang out, play games. She was right there. Your favorite snacks were in the cupboard. Your favorite drink was in the fridge. Dad was out in the garage. Mm-hmm. Mm. I had two very different <laughs> parents within the same house. And it's it's harder because dad approached many men. Oh, you know what? My dad was physically and emotionally abused growing up mm-hmm. by my grandparents. And, oh, he he was talked to like this when he was in the Air Force. And, oh, this is what happened. And, oh, you know what? He doesn't really connect with anyone on an emotional level. Um, oh, okay, that still affected me. I had some father identity issues that I had to work through in therapy. Um, but I can now go, okay, I, I understand. And same with my mom. Like, don't get me wrong. My, my mom was amazing, but she also had faults and I can look back and go, oh, that's, that's why she wasn't quite as present during that time because this was going on. Hindsight is huge. And I, I think that's something that teenagers are missing from their parents' perspective. Yeah. Because parents, as adults, we have hindsight and we can see the big picture a teenager may go it's not a big deal that I skipped class so I failed an assignment and we're going but you don't understand the effect that that has long term like you have to pass this class and teenagers no it's fine I don't actually need this class that's one of the difference I think you're pointing out I like the way you said that parents do see the big picture Mm -hmm. and a teen doesn't doesn't have that they don't have those years to see the big picture. No. That's why the trust and the partnership is so critical. So you had the congruency. We had the humility. You talked about communication. Mm-hmm. Those are three big ticket items. Huge. Yeah, they're they're only, again, scratching the surface to the topic of what it means to be a teenager, what it means to be a, a parent or a guardian of a teenager. Um, lots of grace needs to be extended. To um, both to both during this very formidable period of a human being's life. Mm -hmm. Totally. And uh, Pete Scazzaro says, no, no, none of us escape our family of origin unscathed. So (laughs) you're, you're, you're going to experience something that is adverse to what you had hoped, but it does work together for good. Yeah. It can work together for good. It's unlikely that you're going to kind of skate through your childhood, your adolescence, your teenage years mm-hmm. as a child or as an adult unscathed from the difficulties. I would think that would be a bigger problem than getting scarred. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because this is a, we talk about it all the time, Matt, it's a broken planet. Mm-hmm. Your teen needs to have a philosophy or a theology of pain and suffering. This planet is not going to typically be too kind. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Dr. Rob, you mentioned a resource yesterday, access.org. Yes. And it seems like as I've gone through the website, it seems like a really good resource for parents. I like Mm -hmm. it. I like it a lot. And um, it's very simple. Yep. It allows parents the opportunity to either listen to a podcast or watch a video-based instruction. Um, Topics um, on on mental health are, are, are included. Yep. Uh, but not just, um, you know, those things, it can be parenting themes. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for information about social media, yes. um, sex, gender relationships, culture issues, that group health, does a great yeah. job. I think I really like looking through that site. I like that there were conversation kits. Yes. You watch a video and then this website like these people have created your discussion questions so if there's a topic as a parent you're going i have no clue how to talk about such and such with my kid log into this website and bam everything is right there yep i agree with jennifer the conversation kits allow you to look at so many different topics um, whether it's dating or sports uh video games Mm -hmm. pornography uh, spiritual warfare you know, anxiety, Mm -hmm. suicidality, Yep. right? There's just a lot of conversations there that you could watch and maybe even watch with your teenager, watch with your partner, your spouse, um, Mm -hmm. and allow this to give you some guidance in the journey of being a parent or being a teen. Yeah. Yeah. Any last thoughts that you either would like to share as we bring our conversation to a close? You know, the only thing that I have in my mind right now is um, at some at some point, I, I think almost every person has done this, if they have like a healthy relationship with their parent as an adult, mm-hmm. at some point, parents, your child as an adult is going to call you and say, <laughs> yep. wow, um, I am so sorry, you were right, and I should have listened to you more often. I can't tell you how often I made those phone calls to my mother. Like, huh, I was kind of a jerk at 14 years old. I do apologize. I should have listened to you. You were right. And she's like, hold on, I need to sit down for this. But yeah, (laughs) most likely, most likely your child, when they are an adult, is going to have that hindsight that you have and be able to say, huh, sorry about that. Yeah. I think my last thought would be to the... To the parents, the grandparents, the older generation. I really believe, and I think I can back it up on a number of fronts, that that age range between 10, 12, 13, 14 in that neighborhood, even up as old as 25 to 30, maybe even this latest 35, but definitely in that age range, I think they are the smartest, most talented. Uh, relationally and emotionally aware group of people that this country has ever produced. And I think we are, I think we are missing it because we cannot hear them. Mm -hmm. And so I would just encourage if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent work at hearing your teen, learn from them. Exactly. Learn from them. What, what is emotions like for you? What is, I mean, I don't know if you guys realize this, but gender has changed a lot from when any of us were teenagers. So ask, ask, be willing to have that conversation, be humble, 
yeah. non-judgmental. And if there's things you want to know, ask your teen. They're a teenager. They're living it. They know. Create a conversation. Amazing. Yep. Out of curiosity. And you might bring your teen a little closer and they won't have to hold their cards so close to their chest. And that would produce more relationships. So thanks, Jennifer, for Thank you. You're welcome. Being I hope your bus trip back to Ontario <laughs> yeah. is as pleasant I, as the, I will, the podcast was today. Yes, I will gladly drive the ten hours to do this again. Awesome. <laughs> hey, thanks for tuning in to Mindful Conversations with Matt and Rob. We hope that you are blessed in all that you do today.